The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Okay, I'm just a little curious how you did on the trivia. Did anybody think they got all of them all the way through? Did you really? Wow. Right, Nick, you didn't get them all because you were nailing those three that you had so fast. I just thought the only one I think I didn't know was the little kid from Home Alone. I didn't know his name, so I, I messed up on that one. I, when he said Kevin, I, I would have never got the last name, though. That, that wasn't one of our family staples at Christmas time. What was one of our traditions, and I'm sure is a tradition for many of you, is to gather and read the Christmas story from the uh, book of Luke. And I bet a lot of your families have done that on Christmas morning or on Christmas Eve. You've gotten together and do that. Well, I get to be at our family service. I get to be daddy and read that to you. And uh, we're going to draw a couple of observations from that. Maybe I should say I get to be granddaddy, I know. But, uh, but I could still be daddy, I guess, like that. But we're going to go ahead and read. Uh, if you want to follow along in your Bible, it's in Luke chapter 1. And then later on, we're going to read from Luke chapter 2. But I do have the words up on the screen here so that we can read them all together. The Bible says, and hopefully you'll remember this from uh, different times at Christmas in your life, but in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Sorry, I'm having a little trouble there. There we go. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him a throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. One of the first points, one of the things that I'd like you to think about today if you could see this story for what it is, which is a historical happening, and how I want you to kind of imagine Mary, if you will, for a second. Now, Mary, you may or may not know this, uh, we have kind of a stereotypical Mary, right? She's about 25, she's a thin brunette, and she's very pretty, she's very beautiful. Truth is, we don't know that much as far as what Mary actually looked like. One of the things that is probable from the times and from the culture is that she was more like 15 years of age, that she was very young. 
We don't know. She might have been a little pleasantly plump. She may not have been all that attractive to look at. We kind of had this stereotype. But I want you to see this young lady, this teenager, and kind of imagine what is happening in her life. For an angel comes and tells her that this is going to happen. And in the scripture, we read that she was distressed. She was like, I, I don't understand. How can this be? That there was fear in her heart. How can this happen? So the first thing that I want you to think about, I want us to put us in Mary's place for just a minute here and think about the fact that we do not have power to control all the circumstances of our lives. Now, as pastor, I get to encourage you often to get control of things in your life. For example, I think that to be a good steward of what the Lord has given us, we ought to be, this is a terrible thing to say the week before Christmas, but we ought to be in control of our money. Okay, we ought to control our spending. We ought to do that. So you, there are some areas where I'm going to encourage you to be in control of things. How about this one? This is even meaner the week before Christmas. We ought to be in control of our eating. <laughs> I know. that's. Uh, let's save that for next week. Forget that this week. Uh, but we, there are some things that I would encourage you. I'd be in control in a sense of your families. I love to hear about parents who are very purposely parenting. Uh, they have some goals. They have some things that they're trying to accomplish. And uh, therefore, they're trying to be in control of that. I love when folks are in control as far as they plan for their marriage and to strengthen their marriage. I love that there are some specific things going on. And we think, boy, I'm going to be in control of this. But we need to realize that ultimately we are not in control. We are not the ones who determine the times that we, that we would die. We are not ultimately in control of where the world financial picture is going to go and what's going to happen. And even we are not in ultimately control of the decisions that other people make in our lives. Though we choose to love them and do what is right, we're not in control of their decisions. So we need to understand that indeed there are a lot of things in life that come our way and we have to say, I have no power to control it. And we might react like Mary and say, boy, that, is, that, that produces fear in my life or that produces distress in my life. About a hundred years ago, a guy wrote out a prayer that is, uh, many of you have heard and I think is incredibly helpful to us. We call it the serenity prayer. But he says, Lord, grant me the serenity or the peace to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And how incredibly important that is, just as we think about Mary and what has happened in her life, I'm sure she looked and said, you know, I am sure that it was like, this isn't going to, according to plan. This isn't the way, you know, you map out your life or you dream of your life. And how often that happens in our life where we look and say, hey, this isn't how it's supposed to go. This isn't how it's supposed to happen. But to be able to realize that even though we have no power to control, what we do have the power to do we have the power to surrender. There's our second little phrase there. We have the power to surrender. If the last couple verses we looked at, we see that Mary says this. <laughs> she uses the phrase, let it be. I'm sure she was not quoting the Beatles at that point. But she says, let it be, God, even as you have said, because I am your servant. And what she was saying is, I am surrendering to a God that I can trust, that I believe in, that I know what is right, and just it, whatever your will is, God, that is what I want, and that is what I'm willing to surrender my life to. So as we think about that, I, the first question that I want you to think about is this. Is there something that is heavy upon your heart today, something that you brought in that you need 
to surrender to God today. The scripture says that we are to cast our cares upon him for he cares to us. Is there something that is beyond your control? Something that 2020 uh, has you scared about and, and uh, you, there's really nothing you can do about it but it has you worried. Maybe there's even something coming up in the coming weeks and the celebrations and different people that enter into your life that, uh, that is, boy, I, I can't control this. But what I can do is take a moment today and surrender it to God. My wife and I were talking about that this morning because for sure in my life there is something that has me concerned that there is absolutely nothing I can do anything about. At least not or especially not in the next couple of weeks, I can't do anything about it. And I said what I want to be able to do is lay it down and give it to Jesus so that that is not on my mind, so that it is not weighing heavy and so that I can love the family that I get to gather with uh, well. So I want to lay it down. So I ask you, is there something that this morning God would have you, God would give you the power to surrender and that you want to, now I, I should mention this, I have sticky fingers. Okay, I don't know if you do, but I have sticky fingers. When I want, want give something to God, I, uh, I have a hard time. And I'm sure my, my wife would smile about that because she knows that, you know, this, this might be the third time I'm trying to lay it down. But if I could encourage you to begin that process at least of saying, God, this is something that I don't know what to do about. God, I want to leave it with you. It, in, in kind of a weird sense, you know, we think about bringing the gifts to Jesus and laying them before him. Can I encourage you to take the heaviness of your heart and lay it before Jesus? Maybe even visualize that little manger scene and see that there. The other passage that I wanted to read with you is from the beginning of Luke chapter 2. It says, in, the, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Some scripture says to be taxed. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, there came for her to, a time for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room in the inn. There's a couple of things I'd like to point out from this passage, too, just to get you to think about with me this morning. And one of them is this. This passage, I believe, gives us great reason to trust in the Lord. There's, um, I, I remember well a sermon that I heard one time. The pastor was talking, and he, and he said, you know, back in the book of Micah, God had predicted that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So at this point, God wants to move Mary and Joseph from Nazareth, where they are, to Bethlehem, because when God makes a promise, he's going to keep his promise. He's going to fulfill it. So, uh, so how is he going to move them then from Nazareth with this lady that is pregnant, uh, is not going to want to travel, how is he going to move them? So what God does is he has a guy by the name of Caesar Augustus, the, in the first phrase we looked at in this passage, he has a guy by the name of Caesar Augustus issue a decree. And I can remember this pastor saying, this, this amazes me because God is willing to turn, I remember this phrase, he said, God is willing to turn the world upside down to keep his promise. But it especially hit me because at the time I was a history teacher. 
Some of you make a mean face at me whenever I say that. Uh, but I had been teaching history, and I had been teaching about Caesar Augustus. And I remember the Caesar Augustus. I mean, this is the guy that had two months named after him. Uh, he's got, he's got uh, Octavius is his other name. He's got October. He's got August. This is the guy that was the leader of the greatest empire the world has ever known at the time when that empire was at its peak. This is, maybe I should not even say arguably, maybe it's arguably, but the most powerful man to ever live. He is ruling the greatest world empire there has ever been, and he's ruling it at a time when that empire is at his peak, and yet this man is a puppet in the hand of God who says, hey, I need to move Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem. We're going to send out this degree, decree. So we have reason, and we understand that we have an all-powerful God who, let me say it again, will turn the world upside down to keep his promise the promise that the savior would be born in bethlehem so i have incredible reason to trust him and to lay those things down that we talked about before the other phrase that i want you to think about comes at the end of our passage and it's a familiar passage we have songs about it the idea that there is no room in the end it's Christmas time, so uh, you know, I try to be aware of the fact that I'm getting older and I don't want to be the repeating stories all the time or anything like that. But I have to tell you, Christmas is kind of traditional. This is a story I tell every year, and I'm going to tell it again this year, and I'm probably going to tell it again next year. When I was uh, 14 years old, my brother, who was married, he was eight years older than me, he had gotten married, uh, had uh, through his wife and his mother-in-law actually had heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that Jesus Christ had come to this world to be a Savior and that my brother Wayne could know that Savior personally uh, through faith in him for forgiveness of sin. And when my brother learned this, he knew we were quasi-religious, but he knew we didn't know anything about a relationship with the Lord. He very much wanted us to have that relationship. So he told us, he said, hey, uh, I figure you got one of your uh, two journeys to church coming up pretty soon. It's Christmas time. No, you go at Easter and you go at Christmas. He said, why don't you try this church? He knew of a church that would share the truth about Jesus. And he said, why don't you try this church? So I will remember that my, my parents and I, on that Sunday morning, and this date sticks in my mind. It was December 22nd, which is the same as today, Christmas Sunday that year. We went off to church. And I will forever see the pastor of that church stand there because he preached a sermon entitled No Room. At the end of the message, I remember him knocking on the pulpit and saying, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, but you're telling him no room. And I thought, how does he know me? I've never met him before because that was exactly uh, kind of it. I, I, di I didn't completely understand what was going on. We went home that afternoon, and my parents and I were all just kind of excited. We, uh, I think that the Lord had, had begun to draw us to himself to a knowledge of him as Savior, and we, we were looking for something. We didn't even know what it was, and we said, hey, we rode past another church that's having church tonight. You want to go? <laughs> it's like, that's pretty weird. We normally went twice a year. Now we were going twice a day, uh, but we went down to this church, and they had a sermon that night, too, I remember, because it was called No Vacancy. Okay, we had no room in the morning and we had no vacancy at night, but I remember that the pastor again preached a very similar message and we went home that night and I was trying to put the pieces together. I didn't completely understand what they were saying, but my brother and his wife had come in that night and th because they were going to spend the week with us for Christmas and we had a conversation and just talked about it. And he said, Danny, he said, sorry, little Danny, I was little Danny. Uh, he said, Danny, he said, uh, uh, he said, here's the thing. He said, he said, I, I want you to know that Christ died for you. And this is something that can be personal. 
And if you'll trust in him for forgiveness of sins, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Wasn't sure I still understood yet. But I remember that night, everybody else had gone to bed, and with company, I was sleeping out in the family room, and I was sleeping on a lawn chair that we had brought in. And I remember that night, not that you have to get down on your knees, but I remember that night that I got down beside that lawn chair on the towel floor. I said, God, I don't completely get this, but I do think that's me that's kind of saying no room to you. I do think that, that uh, you know, I've kept you out of my life. And I don't know what Wayne has. I don't know what Wayne and his wife have, but, but I want it, whatever it is. And if, if I... It, what, what I think I need is the Savior they're talking about. I think I need to trust Christ to be my Savior for forgiveness of sin. And I'll always remember this as kind of my spiritual birthday. You know, we talk about the new life that Christ gives us. Well, happy birthday to me. Uh, this, is, this is my spiritual life birthday because it was on that day, really. And you say, well, that sounds simple. You know, Trusting in Jesus and believing in him and entering a new life is one of the most complicated things to understand the whole picture, but it's also one of the most simplest things because God simply speaks to our heart and says, this is what you need. You need a Savior, forgiveness of sin, and he draws us to him. And we say, I've got room to offer. God, I need this Savior. I need this Jesus Christ. And I remember so well that Christmas many, 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 many years ago now when I did that. So my first question to you just to think about today was, is there something that's heavy on your heart that maybe just needs to be laid down today with Jesus? Is there something that, uh, like Mary, you're confused about, you don't understand how this could make any sense, but like Mary, you want to say, let it be, God. Let it be. I want to trust you with this. And my second question is, is there anybody here who, like me, would be in church on December 22nd? And as I say, are you telling Jesus there's no room in your heart? You're thinking, hey, <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. You're thinking, hey, this is just for me. And today could be the day when you, before God, or to God, just say, Lord, I know that I need this Jesus Savior. I believe and I trust in you. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe somebody... 40-some years from now, we'll stand and give the same testimony uh, that, I, that I did this day. We're going to uh, worship the Lord together, singing a couple songs. And I wanted to say this. I um, um, Normally, I'd say I'm going to be up here to talk to afterwards, but I want to be available to the kids to pass out their reward or stuff like that. Uh, Dennis, if you'd raise your hand. Uh, Dennis will be around afterwards. Uh, Jim, who did the game for us here in his Mickey Mouse sweater, is around. If you have any questions about that and want to talk to anybody, please seek one of us out. Or if you want to talk some other time this week, I'd love to get together with you. Be, but, but here's the thing. You don't really need us. Like I said, I got down on my knees one night by myself and said, God, I need you. I need you. Didn't completely have an understanding of everything. You know, my brother didn't either at that point. All he knew was he had found what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he wanted his family to have it too. And he said, hey, find out about this. So, uh, so I want to encourage you with that. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come back up because we're going to close in worshiping him together. And uh, as we do that, uh, I'll go or as they're coming up right now, I'll go ahead and pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for a God 
you're God. You can be whatever kind of God you want, but you're a God who so loves us that you entered into our world, uh, entered into the darkness of this world to redeem it, uh, to pay the price for sin, and to redeem this world and redeem us. And, Lord, I just pray for a continued ministry of your spirit, Lord. I pray that if somebody has something, Lord, that you empower them, help them to lay it down, help them to give it to you this day. And, Lord, I pray if there's any that are struggling with the opening of their heart to you, Lord, that you would show them in a way that I cannot do with my words, that your spirit would show them their need of Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, if it seems confusing to them, bring clarity to them. But, Lord, I pray just that you'd show them uh, the relationship that you want to have with them that you made possible because your son came and laid down his life for us. Thank you again, Lord, for so many great reasons to worship you. Be glorified as we do now, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.